The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest for today is Missa Kate. How's it going? Yeah, how are you? Pretty good. Um, tell us a little bit about your match last night. Uh, last night was intense. Um, so right now at Kaiju, I'm captured by the following in Jesus Christ. So last night, um, it was kind of a mixture of if I won the match, I'm set free now. I get my freedom. But at the same time, it was to determine the number one seed in a tournament that Kaiju is going to be having in September for a Kaiju Cup, the Women's Kaiju Cup. Um, so, so yeah, it was. There's a lot of people in there. You got Elena Black, you Karen Noya, um, you had uh, Vanessa Zor, Sierra, who ended up winning it, and Jordan Grace and myself. So yeah, there's a bunch of lot going on, but I got it to the final two, and then yeah, I lost. But <laughs> hey, hey, that's all right. At least you uh, were in there. There was a lot of great talent just um, just said about in the ring. I mean, Jordan Ann Grace, she's a beast. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, I know. She, I felt her. She's she's all in everything that everybody says. So she hits hard. So when you got in the ring with her, what was it like to get in the ring with her? Were you like a little nervous? Did you have goosebumps, or what were you thinking? Um, I'd say. I mean, I know who she is, obviously. Um, so, but I'm weird. I never really get, I guess, quote unquote, starstruck or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was nervous in the sense that she's, like, how you said, she's a beast. So I was like, all right, this is going to hurt. I'm just going to take it and just keep going. I've got to keep coming back with it. So, I mean, I was ready for it. I could take a beating. Hey, you <laughs> know, hey, that's the purpose of a pro wrestler. You get beat and then you beat somebody else up. Chicago, we're the underdogs, so I'm used to it. <laughs> so, uh, where did they come up with the nickname, the Chicago Sweetheart? So, actually, it's kind of funny. I did, um, when I first started uh, wrestling, they, you know, you always ask for, like, monikers, or what's your moniker, what's your nickname, what's this? I always wanted something to be Chicago. So, I was like, you know, um, I'm not exactly, I always like uh, contrast of nicknames and whatever to whoever the character is. I'm not exactly girly. Sorry, there's a truck driving by. Um, I'm not exactly girly. Usually when you think of sweetheart, you think of like the girly girl or girl next door or however you want to perceive it. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of not. So I was like, Chicago sweetheart, that's just me. Hey, I like that. It fits you perfectly as well. Thank you. Yeah, so um, did you grow up in the Chicago area? Yeah, born and raised. All right. So, what was it like growing up in Chicago, and um, also growing up, were you like a huge wrestling fan? Yeah. So, um, growing up in Chicago was—it's fun. I know there's a lot of bad publicity and like news and all this stuff going on. I'm sure you hear all the time, like, "Oh, someone got hurt again in Chicago. Someone got killed here." Yeah, there's gonna be areas everywhere, but um, I tell everybody, like, we're just such a melting pot of people, like. Everyone here is, like, very family-oriented. It's a very fun city. Um, unfortunately, it's just that, like, the bad stuff gets shown more than the good stuff that goes on here. But, um, yeah, it was definitely fun. Um, I can't imagine growing up anywhere else. I wouldn't want to, honestly. 
people ask me all the time, are you ever going to move out of Chicago, out of Chicago, or out of Chicago area? And I'm just like, no, like, this is my home. Like, I can't, I've been to Florida, I've been to California, I'm just like, ugh, like, no, I'm staying in Chicago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, growing up in Chicago was fun. Um, as far as wrestling, um, I, the first time I got introduced to wrestling, I was very young, and funny enough, the first match I ever saw was John Cena against Kurt Angle, which was John Cena's debut in Chicago, if you know. Um, I just, to me, I just think it's funny. It's just like Chicago is always like linked in somewhere, you know? Um, and I was watching it with my grandpa, and he, he unfortunately went blind due to diabetes, but so he couldn't see what was going on, but he heard and he heard like the commentary and all stuff. He's like, he has a thick accent. He's from, um, he's from, he was from Europe. So he's like, what are you watching? What are you watching? No, this is no good. This is no good. Because he used to watch back in the day, George's or Gorgeous George and all them. And he would get really amped up. And he's telling me, he's like, oh no, you don't watch that. You watch that. You're going to uh, get a hole in your stomach and die. Like pretty much saying, I have an ulcer. And at the time, I'm like six. I'm like, well, I don't want to die. So I'm just not going to watch this anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the first time I got introduced to wrestling. I stopped watching it. And then um, after that, the next match that I saw was the Edge versus Matt Hardy ladder match with Lita. Um, and it was a match where whoever won the contract stayed on Raw, and then the loser went to SmackDown. And I don't know what it was. Like, Lita's my girl. She's the reason why I'm doing this. Ever since I saw her, I was like, that's it. I want to be a wrestler. Like, I was hooked. And, um, yeah, so ever since then, I think I was like, I don't know when that was. That was a while ago. <laughs> it was like nine. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've been hooked ever since. So, yeah, probably... If, if my like you said, Lita is the one that really influenced you to pursue your goal as a professional wrestling and training as well. And um, another question, um, when you uh, started training and getting into wrestling, uh, did your uh, grandfather get a chance to, uh, you know, uh, witness this? So, no, unfortunately, he passed um, before I got into high school, I believe. And so, yeah, it was before I got into high school. It was around sixth, seventh grade, which um, he would not like, <laughs> especially because I'm his, I'm his granddaughter. He called me Grandpa's Angel all the time. I was, my mom's the youngest of four. Okay. So I was the first grandchild on his side, on, in the family. So I was like babied and spoiled by him, so he would probably not be happy. Like right now, he's probably looking down, like, "What are you doing with yourself?" Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I would still do it anyway because it's just like there's, I like him, I'm gonna do what I want to do, sort of thing. And that's pretty good as well. Um, was your mom and family very supportive as well when you decided to get into the ring? So they're supportive more so now. I mean, they were never not supportive. More so my mom, um, because she, I've had, like, uh, a couple injuries in the past from other sports, and so I'm already kind of, she's already worried about me already being banged up, um, and then on top of that, she knows the physicality of the sport, and, like, um, she only knows stuff that you look up, so obviously when you look up something about wrestling, it's always going to be the worst possible um, injury or head injury or whatever it is, the worst possible story. So she was worried about all of that, and then, of course, I'm her daughter. So she's like, I don't want watching you get beat up. 
Um, I don't want you getting hurt. I don't want this to be something where you get hurt now and it affects you more in the long run sort of thing. So she's going to be a mom about it. But, yeah, she was there for my first match. My stepdad was there for my first match. Um, I had uh, family and friends. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a good little support group. So every, every match, though, my mom's like, oh, you did good. So are you quitting? <laughs> it's gonna be the same line every time. She's like, "So when are you gonna be done with this? Are you done now?" I'm like, "Mom, I just got over a year doing this." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's just a mom thing. I get it. I'm her kid. I mean, if I had a kid, I'd probably feel the same way. I mean, I'm like that watching my friends, even my friend that Russell. I'm like, "Oh, like you're hurting yourself, why?" But then I'll go in there and get hit harder. So it's kind of like I can't really say anything. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I feel you. I have friends in the business as well that wrestles too, and I think the same thing as well. And this is your uh, first year anniversary uh, working matches as well. Yeah, it was uh, the 19th of May, I think it was. I believe it was May 19th. I did look that up, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, um, that day too, I posted on my social media, um, Vanessa Azor. She was actually my second match ever after Shotzi. Um, and her date is actually the same day as mine when she started uh, wrestling matches, too. It was her two-year, my one-year. So I was like, oh, it's like a weird, cute little thing, I guess, that we're wrestling each other on our anniversary. But, yeah, it was fun. Speaking of Vanessa Azor, what's what's it like to get in a ring with her? And um, do you guys have, like, great chemistry? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, she... I call her my wrestling wife. Uh, she, um, anytime her and I have gotten a ring, the first time her and I got in a ring, um, it was just, like how you said, it's chemistry. It's just, there's some people that you feel it or you don't. Sometimes it feels kind of rigid or whatever. Her and I, we honestly beat the hell out of each other. And it would still be like a fun time. Like we just, it's just, I don't know. You can't, it's one of those things you can't really put a finger on. But, um, we, in the, the day that we had the match recently on our anniversaries, we each talk to each other, we each push each other in different ways. Um, so we always like working each other. So when you guys work with each other um, each time, do you guys learn from each other and, and improve as well? Oh, I would say so, definitely. So I'm more, uh, I feel like I'm more, I don't know. She's, she, I love her. Her character, she's there. Like, I'm just like, oh, every time I see her, I'm just like, yeah, like, she gets me behind her, um, which I I wish I could be more like her in that sense. And I feel like I'm more of, um, I guess, like, the technical side uh-huh. as far as, like, moveset. So she, and that's the conversation that we had. She's like, oh, you always push me with moves. I'm like, well, you always push me to bring out this character and, like, actually be like, oh, wrestling's fun. Like, we can have fun in the ring, you know? It doesn't all have to be about the moves and stuff. So, yeah, we... Um, we, like I said, we have the chemistry and we just bounce off of each other like that, I guess. Yeah, and speaking of your first match, you got in a ring with another beast as well, and she's pretty good. And what was it yeah. like? What was it like to get in with Shotzi Blackheart? She, I can't say it enough. I'm so lucky that she was my first match. Um, looking back at it now, I feel so bad because I was just so freaking nervous, and she just was chill the entire time anything I needed um anytime whatever I was feeling any kind of way she just brought me down it was this weird thing and she took care of me and it was fun um she is hard 
for a freaking like 10 pound girl but she hits hard but yeah she was fun i'd love to now that i'm more experienced and i won't be as nervous i'm always nervous obviously i feel like you should be um a good nervous when you go into the ring but yeah, I'd love to have a rematch with her one day. They're listening, Shotzi. <laughs> but yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about her. Yeah, she's good. I've seen her a lot in a lot of matches as well. And then another great wrestler you got in a ring in too, I know she probably gave you the fight for your life as well, and you probably learned a lot from her, was uh, Thunder Rosa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned, yeah. She did. She, um, it's hard to explain, um, you just kind of pick up on stuff while you're in the ring. You're like, okay, so I got to do this and that's that. But yeah, she definitely taught me a lot. Just me and her just being in there. Yeah, she she beat my, like she, and then when they train in Mexico, they train you to hit hard. And that's not a joke. And they like getting hit hard back. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, just trying to work my match, just be the best that I could. And I'm just like, this girl's just beating the shit out of me. Like, what do I do? But, um, yeah, so that match I learned, like, it's okay to hit back and then harder back. So, but, yeah, she's, she's also, she's a sweetheart, too. Um, but, yeah, just don't, I would say don't mess with her. <laughs> Shoot, I'm not a wrestler, and I wouldn't mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, speaking, since you worked with Thunder Rosa and Vanessa Azor as well, since you're luchador wrestlers, um, what was your experience like over at Lucha Libre uh, Total Chicago? Um, so that was actually, I've done three Lucha shows now, two of which were at LLT, the other one was at Gali. Um, it's, it's different. The fans are different. Um, the matches are just, everything is completely, you've got to change a lot of stuff when you're in there. So they do like more of the, um... You know, it's Lucha, so they like the high-flying and the flashy stuff. They don't really care for the technical so much. Um, they like the character. So you just you just need to learn. I And that's why I like going to different places like that, like um, Lucha Libre shows, because you learn to fit with the crowd, and you as you're in there, you kind of learn to adjust to the crowd. Um, so, yeah, it's but it's fun. It's definitely fun. Um, the crowd, I like the crowd more sometimes at Lucha shows because they're just more into it if you get into it. Um, and it kind of pushes you to get more into the match too. So that was definitely fun. I like working Lucha shows. So um, I know you more, uh, you probably trend more of the technical aspect of, you know, your moves and positions as well. So um, have you picked up any like Lucha moves as well since you've gotten some experience in the ring with Luchas? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, my trainer now, so I first started training uh, at CSW with Steve Boz. Um, they're very old school, hard-hitting, um, somewhat technical, I'd say, but more so very old school. Um, now where I am, I'm at freelance training, or freelance, um, and they, you have uh, Bryce Benjamin, Jesus Bryce, he's like known to so many different things. Um, he trains me now, and he teaches a lot of lucha stuff because he's done a lot of lucha um so it's fun because it's pushing me out of my element i want to learn how to do some high flying stuff but at the same time i'm like my body doesn't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun learning it because i'm like okay 
different, and I like it. I mean, technical, like you said, it's just more, my body just flows with it more. So, but yeah, I like, I, I, if I can learn a little bit of everything, because I feel like everybody should be well-rounded in everything, that would be awesome. So I have no problem learning lucha, technical, whatever. That's pretty good as well. Um, also, do you think in-ring psychology is just as important as well in matches? Uh, in-ring psychology? Mm-hmm. So, the in-ring psychology, yeah, um, are you saying as far as Lucha shows? Or yeah, I mean, of, of all the shows you wrestled at, Lucha, wrestling, does that also be, is a big impact as well when you're uh, performing a good match and story? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, there's definitely going to be more, like I was kind of saying before, you got to adjust to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Lucha's more, they don't really care as much as the story, as much as they just really want flashy moves and they want you to tend to them and kind of, if you're a heel, they want you to like talk crap to them. If you're a good guy, they want to cheer for you. Um, you have other places that, where was I? I was at Berwyn Championship Wrestling where they're similar, I don't know if you heard of this, but in Japan, I guess, um, where they don't, they literally just sit and watch and like almost like study the match. So during the match, they're not necessarily cheering or anything. So it's hard to get that feedback when you're in there because you're like, "Am I? Do you like this? Do you not like this?" Like we're trying to figure it out, and they don't um, until you give them some kind of attention or give them that option. Be like, "Oh yeah, um, are you ready?" You know, just like a typical baby face thing. Like, yeah. So they cheer for you, or if you're a heel, you're like, "Oh screw you," and they're like, "Boo!" But it's like a slut, like a very short. Oh, yeah, clap, 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 silent again, or boo, and then silent again. So, but it's, so yeah, there's definitely different crowds. Um, you have crowds that just want a story. Like, I feel like at CSW, they like more of the stories, like how Brubaker uh, in my matches. Because you have those crowds that want to get emotionally invested and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely different everywhere you go. And it's fun because I like seeing challenge like that. So, I love it. What's the locker room like working over at Berwyn uh, Women's Wrestling? Uh, at Berwyn, there's, I mean, most locker rooms, you're mixed with the guys. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, I mean, for that show, who was it? Me, Vanessa, Moxie Molly, and Blair Onyx. Um, I mean, everyone's chill. Um, the guys always, everyone's always, like, tends to their own whoever's in their match sort of thing um but yeah there's not at like last night at kaiju there was actually like a little like not a little girl's room but like a girl's locker room sort of um we had our own room Mm -hmm. because there was a bunch of us if there's not usually a lot of girls and we just interact with the guys yeah i've never though been in a locker room that um i want to say disrespected the girls or anything like that yeah i've been in locker rooms where it's a lot of tension or something like that but never um or at least i felt never disrespectful to the women or the female talent okay now let's talk about csw um you're their first <laughs> you're their first ever uh csw champion being a woman wrestler and um you had that um brutal match with uh the filthy king brubaker tell us about that yeah that was intense um so pretty much the storyline went um 
I had a triple threat against Savannah Stone and Heather Reckless months ago. And I don't know if he was looking for a manager or what. Whatever the case was, he interfered in my match. I was about to, I think I was about to win it. He came in, kind of drew me off, and cheap shotted me with the clothesline. No explanation. Um, continuing on, he had a match with Hades, a uh, ladder match for his belt now. And he's just kind of beating up Hades and um, just to help out. Hades and kind of get him back a little bit for his cheap shot. I gave him a little taste of his own medicine. I came in with the chair and I shot him in the back. Um, from there, we had this match now recently and he put his title on the line. Or, um, the general manager made it a title match just because of everything that's happened. So, for bigger working with him, um, I've known him since I started training. He is He's a cool guy. Um, it was fun working him. That was the very, I would say, the main, the only match that I've had so far that I had so much emotion invested in it. Like, I had my stepdad um, on the side there with my mom. There was, I, for this match, because obviously it's a title match, I actually had a lot of family and friends there. But I said that's pretty good at keeping it cool. Um, he was just like, after the match, though, he was just like, I wanted to beat the hell out of Brubaker. And he was like, pissed. I was like, good, we did our job. But <laughs> I was like, please don't, though. But good, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. Um, Brubaker's fun to wrestle. I do it a million times. Um, he pushed me in a lot of ways, especially, like I said, it was the first emotionally invested match that I've been in. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool to see you with two belts. Um, yeah. So when you won that CSW title from him, um, how huge was the pop from the audience? That was, yeah, that was, that was pretty big. I don't, there's a video on YouTube. I have to upload it to my own channel. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard when you're in the ring sometimes to really register or hear yeah. how big the crowd's reaction is. But when you actually hear it in the ring, they're like, okay, this is a big reaction. So you could see everybody's cheering. Like, I watched the footage back, and everyone's cheering, and there was a huge pop. Um, and, I mean, obviously he got taken away right after because he slipped on uh, knuckles in my tights, trying to say that the reason I won was because I hit him with the knuckles. Um, so then I obviously had the title taken from me and given back to him. But yeah, it was, it was, there was a loud response. Like I said, it was a very emotional match. Um, <laughs> and I think, as far as I know, that was the first intergender uh, championship match. That CS I could be wrong, but I think that was the first intergender championship match that they've had, especially at that, um, um, I can't think of the word right now, but at that uh, pop popularity? No, that's not the right word. But uh, <laughs> the point where a lot of people knew about it, and there was a huge crowd there for it. So, hey, that's good. Know. And then you were in—you um, also worked with another interesting individual in the ring as well, uh, Elena Black. Tell me a little bit about her. Yeah, so Elena Black, um, she's a—I don't know if you know who she is. She's a—I don't know if you know who she is. She's a 
She, um, that's my little scream queen. Um, <laughs> she, I trained with her also at Freelance. Um, I don't know. She's, like I said, she's my little scream queen. She's like, I, I love her to death. Um, but we also beat the hell out of each other. She's good. She's, her freaking character is amazing. Um, she is especially now, um, last night she blew me away. She just, you could tell she was just on it. She was in her character fully. And I'm just like, yeah, um, but I can't cheer for you right now because you're a bad guy. <laughs> but inside I was like, yeah, girl, like kill him. She was yelling at kids' faces. Um, she's awesome. She's, uh, she's definitely going to be known in the Midwest, I think. She, I mean, she is already, but she's, yeah, my little screen queen. I like how you say the little scream queen. That's cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You're like, yeah, that's my little scream queen. I love her and hate her, but we but we love to beat the crap out of each other, like how me and Brew Baker are. <laughs> yep, pretty much like sisters, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're not in the ring, um, you go to uh, um, to college as well, and you're studying uh, rehab science, and you're working on your bachelor's and. You know, physical therapy. Um, what got you interested into physical therapy? So, um, I've, I always say I'm blessed. Um, a lot of people in life, they don't really have a dream in general. And I had this blessing of being or wanting to have uh, two, or having two dreams. I tore both of my ACLs in high school at the same time at separate times. Ouch. And, um, just going through the process of physical therapy, seeing a physical therapist and whatnot, um, I was just like, I, and not to um, shit on anybody, but in the physical therapy kind of world, there's a lot of people that I notice they don't have a lot of personality. And when you're going to that and you're in pain and you're doing these exercises and whatnot, you want to be there. You want to be engaged, just like a match, right? You want, you're there and you want to be engaged in it. So uh, you don't want to just sit there and be bored and be like, oh, I don't want to come back here. I was so fortunate to where my physical therapist, he had the loudest personality in the room. Um, if it wasn't for him, I probably would have been like, screw this. I'm just sitting at home and doing my own uh, rehab at home. Um, so kind of seeing that and seeing the lack of personality, I was just like, I could do this, and I always want. I help. I want to help people. The human anatomy always interested me. Um, I love learning like how it works because I feel like just the human body is just incredible um, in general. And so, just take all that in one. I was just like, yeah, I want to be a physical therapist too. So I got my associates at a community college. Right now, I'm going to UIC Chicago to get my bachelor's in rehab sciences, and then I have to continue on until I get my. Uh, doctorates in physical therapy because now you need a doctorate or before you needed a master's but um yeah i'm gonna be in school for a while but and plus that's why i'm like oh when i retire from wrestling now i could help out the wrestlers and you know the physical therapy because there's gonna be a couple probably including myself that's so. pretty. That's pretty good. You learning that. Um, that uh, that will help you out in the wrestling business as well. You know, knowing your body and what your body can do, and that will help mm-hmm. you out a lot. So that's pretty good. You are studying that, and like you said, helping other wrestlers as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, besides wrestling and you know uh, studying at college, what do you enjoy for fun? Um, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy. 
So for fun, um, I'm pretty. Bo- I'm a pretty. I tell everybody all the time. I'm a pretty boring 23 year old. I just. <laughs> I love wrestling. Um, school. I want to get my degree. Obviously, working, and I mean, I have my family. I have some friends that I go out with sometimes, but I'm just. I'm very. I have to stay busy, and I always in the mindset of. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Depending on what I'm doing, if I'm not being mm-hmm. um, proactive, then it's kind of like, what am I doing? So I've never really been into the partying scene. Um, I've never really been into, oh, let's just go sit around and hang out and do nothing. Like I can't physically, I can't do that. I'm too much of a busybody. Even like, even when I was little, my mom. That's why I was in so many sports. She's like, all right, like you need to be in something. I can't just like. <laughs> You can't be here because you're just running around the house. Like, I, you need to be in sports. So I've always been like that. Um, but, yeah, I always try to stay active. If it's, like, right now I'm on a, uh, I think it's 16 in softball league. It, it started last night, so I missed it because of the match. But, um, so, yeah, I try to stay active. I love being outside. I Everyone makes fun of me um, and training and stuff because um, I never see, like, movies or TV shows. They're always talking about all these movies and TV shows, I'm like, yeah, never seen that. Nope, never seen that. I don't know what you're talking about because I'm always out and I like being active outside. So it's kind of like a joke in my where I train, but I'm like, yeah, they're all asses. <laughs> Just teasing me all the time about it. But yeah, anything, anything active. Hey, that's pretty good. Um, I've been to uh, Chicago uh, uh, lots of times to see some, uh, you know, indie promotions up there as well, like AAW and all that. And um, I've noticed how uh, wrestling fans in Chicago are just straight diehard wrestling fans. So either give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. What's it like oh, yeah. to, yeah? What's it like to, uh, you know, uh, wrestle in Chicago with uh, hardcore fans there? I feel like it's honestly the best place to work in wrestle because they're not going to bullshit you. Um, they're going to tell you how they feel. If you... I don't, are we allowed to swear? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is my show, damn it, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Um, sorry, but if you fucked up, they're going to say you fucked up, and you're going to hear it all night. And But the thing is, they'll let you know. They'll still get behind you unless you continue to mess up or if you... Um, just have like a really crappy match which I mean I, I feel like that's rare because Chicago and it's funny I was just talking um, to uh, Bryce about this yesterday Chicago is like the main place in our opinion for wrestling like the Midwest is the main place for wrestling now I know Texas is getting big I feel like there's a couple shows popping up in California kind of New Jersey but Chicago has always been, like, the heart and soul of professional wrestling, especially indie wrestling. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's the best place to wrestle. They're not going to lie to you. They're going to tell you if they love you or hate you. Uh, I had – they just back you up. They just want – they're there. They want to support you. They want to be entertained, just all these things. Um, and like how I said, you have so many different options. I haven't traveled – all the shows that I've done, I think the furthest one that I did was, I don't even know if I, did I go to Wisconsin? I don't know. I haven't, I think the furthest one I did was maybe in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, so, but even there, like, 
No, I leave again with the Wisconsin. Yes, I've only only been in Chicago. So all these shows that I've only been in Chicago, I told you as far as like the psychology or how the crowd is, you still get all these different options and all these different crowds, um, and you still learn from it. And it's just in one place in one city. So yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It, it's just a place for wrestling. I feel like. Oh, I think so too. I've witnessed it too. You know, Indies and you know, I went to um All In there last year as well and that was really okay. that was really huge too. Um okay. sp- speaking of Midwest wrestling, I enjoy Midwest Midwest wrestling as well. Um do you see yourself uh going out like wrestling over in uh, Indiana and Ohio? Um they've got some great uh promotions out there and their fans were just as crazy as the Chicago fans. Yeah, I've heard um definitely yeah, I'm open to go anywhere right now. I mean, in the summer, I'm more, I'm, now I have two shows, two or three shows that are in Wisconsin that's like confused. Um, they're coming up. I haven't been there yet, but they're coming up. Um, so yeah, I have a couple shows coming up in Wisconsin. In the summer, the summertime, like the time for me to travel because of school. During school, I just have to stay yeah. local. Um, but yeah, I'm always open to going anywhere. I'm opening, the, I'm open to travel anywhere. Almost anywhere. <laughs> but um, I'm like how we were just talking about, like the Midwest is the place for any wrestling. So I'm very fortunate that I really don't have to travel that much. And I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, planes freak me out. But <laughs> if I got to go, I got to go. I'd rather do a plane ride than drive for 16 hours somewhere. Um, but yeah, I'm always open to traveling out, learning different um, crowds, all that stuff, meeting new people, always open. So where do you see yourself in uh, 2019 and then beginning in 2020? Ooh, um, good question. <laughs> I'm not very good at looking into the future, as uh, bad as that sounds. Uh-huh. I'm kind of a go-with-the-flow kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've never really sat down and really looked at it, but there's definitely promotions that I'm like, oh, I want to at least have a match here. Or there's people that I'm like, oh, I want to work them or something like that. I have those goals. Um, 2020, I guess I just want to increase my um, the shows that I'm at. Every month now, I, I look at my calendar and I'm like, wow, like I have more shows than I did last month, which <laughs> is awesome. Um, yeah, I just hope that continues to grow. And yeah, I mean, I love it. I love the sport. I'm in it for the sport. So wherever it takes me, I'll be happy with. So where can everybody find you on social media if they want to know what Mr. Kate's going to do next? Yeah, so I'm mostly active on Instagram. I try to do the best I can with my Facebook page because I know that's um, a very interactive. Um, Facebook's a very interactive social media platform for wrestling. Twitter, I don't know what it is with Twitter. Me and Twitter do not get along. I can't <laughs> stick with it. I can't tell you what I'm doing every two seconds, but... Everything that I have is Missacate 11, so M-I-S-S-A-K-A-T-E, and then the number 11. Um, mostly on Instagram, I'll tell you where I'm going to be, um, shows that I've been at. I'll probably, I'll try, I try to post stuff that I train, um, so I'll give you guys behind-the-scenes stuff of what actually goes into um, training and being a female professional wrestler. I'm trying to get a YouTube channel going to even go further behind the scenes. Um, 
like I just had a triple shot weekend uh, two weekends ago. I'm hopefully, I got to edit that. I got to find time to edit that, put that up. But yeah, everything's Mythicate 11. Um, yeah, follow me, follow my journey. That's pretty good. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time this weekend to come on to the podcast. Oh, no, definitely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Oh, I thought it was fun as well. And um, everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Russell Popcast. And you can follow me at Twitter at WPopcast1, Facebook at Russell Popcast. And you can listen to my uh, shows at Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, PodcastCity.net, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast. And you can follow me at YouTube at Russell Popcast as well and on Instagram at Russell Popcast. Everybody have a great weekend. What's up, podcast listeners? This is Jargo from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, as well as HTM Sports, right here on the HTM Podcast Network. Listen, if you love Robin's show, then chances are you'll enjoy ours as well. We talk a lot of Ring of Honor, New Japan, MLW, AEW, NXT, WWE, you name it, we've got you covered. So hit that subscribe button. Be sure that you catch the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the weekly flagship, right here on the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Popcast. And my guest tonight is Jack Lord. He's a former pro wrestler, a promotion owner, and he was also inducted into the Alabama Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. How's it going, Jack? Going good. Man, you've been in the wrestling business for 40 years. Um, that's an co- accomplishment. Yeah, actually, the I believe it's the twenty seventh. The next month will mark forty four years for me. Wow! And um, you started in the business when you were sixteen. Yep, yep, sure did. So, um, when did you fall in love with wrestling? And then also, what influenced you uh, to inspire you to to train and become a pro wrestler at first? Well, I was a fan for as far back as I can remember. My one of my grandfathers was a Baptist preacher, and he took professional wrestling every bit as serious as he did his Bible. <laughs> so we would go over on Saturdays to visit, and I would always sit in there and watch wrestling with him, and uh, uh, just you know develop that love of, of the business. And then when I was sixteen, I started uh, setting up rings, and you know just being the ring boy, and you know doing whatever you know, they needed, uh, I just wanted to be around it. I never really at that point thought about being an actual wrestler. I just thought I could contribute and be a part of that, you know, something that I love so much. Hey, that's pretty good as well. So by doing that, you were actually paying your dues when you didn't even know it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so since your grandfather, you know, who was a preacher, you said, and was also a wrestling fan as well, do you have any memorable moments with your grandfather of watching wrestling, a certain match or anything like that? Well, I remember, you know, watching, uh, uh, Lynn Rossi was my hero. Uh, this was the Chattanooga territory and, uh, uh, the old Nick Gillis shows and Lynn was the top baby face back then and he was my hero uh and i remember how vividly my my grandfather loved him and how much he hated tojo yamamoto 
And so anytime Tojo came on, <laughs> he, he absolutely would just be booing, sitting in there in the living room. He was really into it. And it was great. You know, just a lot of great memories like that, just being with him. That's pretty good. And when you decided to try to come, become a pro wrestler, um, what did your uh, grandfather think about you doing that? Well, unfortunately, he passed away before I ever really started wrestling. He, um, After I got out of high school, I joined the Army. And even when I was in the Army, I would still go to shows. I would still help out. Uh, and I started training a little bit. Uh, my first duty station was... Uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. And that was the hotbed for Georgia Championship Wrestling back in the day. And those were the first really big-time wrestlers I ever saw. And I remember the main event on that first show I went to was a cage match between Mr. Wrestling Number 2 and the Mass Superstar. And I knew when I saw that that I no longer wanted to be on the sideline. That's what I wanted to do. So I still had several years uh, commitment to the military and you know i went ahead and served that time out and trained periodically you know throughout that time and, and just you know, two weeks after i got out of the army in 1985 i, I started really training full-time and uh debuted just a couple of months after that so um how was your debut for you um did you have goosebumps and what were you thinking in the ring oh man <laughs> i told everybody that uh, I've ever told about this, if I had not been wearing a mask, my chin probably would have beat my forehead to death because my teeth were chattering. I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> were you, um, did your opponent know that you were really nervous since it was your uh, very first match? <laughs> yeah, he, he had actually helped me um, training off and on for a few years. And so we were already pretty good friends. And, uh, uh, so he, you know, he guided me through that, um, and we had a, a huge crowd. There was like 800 people in that gym that night, you know, for an indie show, that's a pretty good crowd. So, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was nerve wracking, but I, I loved it. I mean, I, any doubt that I'd ever had before after that, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. That's pretty good as well. What were some of your favorite territories you liked to wrestle at back in the day when they had territories? Well, I mostly worked the independents or outlaw shows back in those days. I did get to work a good bit continental, and that'll always be my favorite. Um, just so many good guys there, so many guys that took the, the time to you know help me. Uh, to learn and get better, guys like Danny Davis, you know, who went on and established Ohio Valley Wrestling and, you know, trained so many of the big names up in WWE. He was very instrumental in helping me. Uh, I was able to get hooked up uh, right off the get-go with uh, Louis Talay. And Louis was one of those old-school guys who his career was winding down and he was doing some indies and still doing some continental stuff and and uh, uh, just really took me under his wing, you know, and really, really helped me a lot. So, I, you know, it, it was a great experience. Even working outlaw shows back then, I was I started off working four to five shows a week and kept that up for the first nine years that I worked. Wow. By doing that, boy, you must have learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I never considered myself great. But I was a, I was a good hand, 
You know, I could go in the ring with anybody and have a good match. And uh, it was never about ego. That was one thing that I was so blessed learning from Larry was, you know, he, he got my head on right, right from the get-go. You know, it was never about winning or losing. It was about making money. And, you know, he taught me how to do that. And, and you know, to this day, Louis still one of my favorite people. Do you have any uh, memorable moments with him? Uh, yeah, for our, he actually ran a show one time, and and it was way back in the middle of nowhere. We had a good crowd, but a lot of the guys couldn't find the facility. And he had always drilled into me: be prepared for anything. You know, you may. You know, have different gimmicks in your bag. So, you know, if somebody needs you to work twice or something, you've got a whole different gimmick that you can put on. I wound up working four times that night, four different gimmicks. And so, you know, he he got his money's worth out of me that night. And to be honest, he he paid me for every match I did. A lot of times, promoters would do that. Hey, you want to work twice? You work twice, you still don't get paid what you're going to get paid to begin with. But Louie always took care of it. Hey, that's pretty good as well. When you were wrestling all those times as well, did you bust on the mask as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, for the first two years, uh, I, I did a mask gimmick called the Lord Warrior, which the promoter I was working for first, because I was so big, he wanted to do almost like a rip-off Road Warrior type thing. Uh, so that was kind of his way. I would wear the... Uh, spike stuff out to the rain, but I always wore a mask, you know, to go with it. Um, yeah, and that was fun. I mean, it was a good learning experience. Uh, but, you know, as soon as I come out from under the mask, I, I did. Now, with Continental, I did probably eight different mask gimmicks, I guess. Uh, Ronnie West was the general manager there, and Ronnie took a liking to me from the get go. And, I always thought that there would be something for me, Jack Lord, you know, down the road. So he always, well, you know, when he needed somebody to put somebody over, he would put me out there, but he'd always put a mask on me because he didn't want to hurt me. But, uh, you know, that was, that was a great experience. He always took care of me money-wise, too. So, you know, it was, it was great. I miss those days. I bet you do as well. So what finally decided you to uh, get rid of the mask and just wrestle with that one? Well, I always intended to get rid of it. Um, you know, I saw from the beginning that only a few guys ever had successful mask gimmicks. You know, and it was uh, especially a lot in the outlaws. You know, you'd have guys imitating those gimmicks. And, and the crowd wouldn't know. I mean, the guys would know in the locker room. Sometimes the crowd wouldn't know, but that always bothered me. I never really wanted to do somebody else's gimmick. And and I knew if I didn't have the mask, then I couldn't, you know, I, I could establish my own character. I never tried to copy anybody else. You know, I never wanted to be a Fargo or, <laughs> you know, because there was a ton of those guys back in the day. But, uh, so how did you re uh, reinvent yourself after you got rid of the mask? I know you were trying to be your own individual. Uh, what ideas did you have that finally got you to reinvent yourself in the ring? Well, Ron had mentioned to me that, 
he wanted to do some kind of like a Playboy type deal, which was kind of popular back in the day, you know. But you know, to do my own stamp on it, and, and uh, uh, I had a guy I tagged with. Well, actually, I went to about two different, three different partners doing this, but we we bleached our hair, and uh, we went as the Heartbreakers. And, you know, had the tights and, you know, little hearts on them and had boots with a big heart, broken heart on the side. And, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good gimmick. And, and we did get, you know, quite a bit of work back then. But if that idea was Ronnie's to begin with, it wasn't mine. Uh, and eventually I evolved out of that. And, uh, you know, just kind of became more of what I felt comfortable with. You know, I was an Army veteran and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm the toughest guy in the world, but. You know, I, I could hang. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of more how my character eventually evolved once when Continental shut down and I wasn't committed to doing that heartbreaker thing anymore. I, I transitioned into developing that bomber Jack Lord character more. And that's uh, that's pretty much the character I stayed uh, with for the rest of my career. I, that's pretty awesome as well. And speaking of the Heartbreakers, how'd you become part of that tag team? And um, what was your uh, chemistry with your partner? And did you guys have any like memorable matches together? Uh, my first partner was a guy named David Jones. And David was tremendous. I mean, he was a power lifter in great shape. And, you know, we worked a lot of those outlaw, outlaw shows around uh, together as a tag team. Uh, and just worked a lot of those local babyface tag teams, and uh, it was always good. Now, my other partner, uh, Monty Rodriguez, Monty would remind you of uh, Michael Hayes. Had the long blonde hair like Michael, and you know, Bill. And he's about I'm six four, he's about six six. So we were pretty good sized boys, you know. But we we traveled a lot. We did a lot of Tennessee stuff, Alabama. Uh, some Georgia, a little bit of Mississippi, but, uh, you know, we just worked around with just whoever, you know, anybody wanted us to work with. I loved working with Mike Golden. Mike had a partner back then, uh, Chance Myers, and uh, I worked with those two uh, in tag matches quite a bit. They always had a great time. Hey, that's pretty good as well. Um, you also got in a ring with some great wrestlers as well. Um, let's talk about how you got in a ring with uh, Terry Gordy and JYD, the Junkyard Dog. What was it like working with those guys in the ring? Man, it was great. JYD was always so funny. Uh, he he wouldn't do a whole lot because he, you know he didn't want to get hurt. I understand that because he still had the opportunity. Even when he came and worked at the indie level, you know, there was always a door somewhere that he was going to go through to get back on the big time. So, you know, he didn't want to do stupid stuff. So a lot of times uh, he would get promoters to actually book me to come work him because he knew, you know, that I knew how to entertain the crowd and, and get heat on him without him having to take a bunch of bumps or, you know, do anything silly in the way. Um, and we just developed a friendship out of that too. Uh, he was he was just a great guy. Uh, and Terry was kind of along the same lines. Uh, the difference was Terry and I. Uh, Terry could be a little tight <laughs> in the ring at times, and I didn't mind that because I I could be too. 
So I wound up eventually is when, when Terry would be getting ready to go to Japan, which the style is a lot stiffer over there, he would get me booked on shows so that we could go out there and just basically beat each other up and so he could get him in that mindset again. And I didn't mind it. And he didn't mind getting hit in return. And then when he would come back, it would be the same thing. He would already have me booked for some shows where he could wind down. So, you know, he knew that he could depend on me because I knew what his mindset needed to be and, you know, how he needed to, you know, kind of calm everything down once he was back in the States. So it was, we just had a great relationship. Uh, you know, we, we traveled together quite a bit. Uh, I was never one of his, you know, party buddies. Uh, and eventually we became real close, especially near the end when he was uh, really getting his life cleaned up and, you know, had quit partying and everything, and, and you know, we, we talked a good bit those last few months before he passed away. He was he was in a good place in his life, and I'm, I'm glad I could be a part of that. So, when you finally guys became friends and all that, do you have, like, a great story uh, about you and Terry as well? And then when, um, you know, like, Terry passed away, I mean, he's been gone for a while. Um, how did you take it? <laughs> it, it was hard. Uh it was it was really unexpected. I had worked with him maybe a couple of weeks before he passed away, and he, you know, he was great. He had lost a lot of weight. He was in shape. Uh, we had a great conversation that night uh, behind the scenes, and and uh, in fact, he wrestled uh, uh, Jeff Van Kemp, who was doing the Lord Humongous gimmick. He had, Jeff had come back up to Birmingham to, to do that for the promoter. And they had a great match, and, you know, uh, a couple of weeks later, just out of nowhere, you know, he was gone. And uh, it was it was painful. Uh, I have to admit, uh, I went to the viewing the night before, and uh, Buddy Roberts, as sad as it was, the stories Buddy was telling about life on the road with him had everybody laughing, which was what Terry would have wanted. So... You know, that, that, that's a great memory to have with him. And it's pretty good as well. And um, you're like, real, uh, was um, real well known in Alabama, too. Um, so uh, what was some of your uh, favorite matches over in the Alabama territory since you were, like, wrestling in the Outlaws? Well, after Continental shut down, I worked with Danny Davis a lot. Uh, Danny Davis and Kenny Wayne did the Nightmares. And me and my partner... Uh, with Heartbreaker thing, worked them for, I guess, almost two years after Continental shut down. You know, they still stay pretty much in the area. So I worked with Danny. Uh, uh, Danny and I would always open the shows with a singles match. And then we would do a deal where my partner would hit the ring and his partner would make the save and we'd set up to do a tag match for the main event. And we would do this same thing in every town. And, of course, me and my partner would come in every time as the tag team champions and then drop the bounce to them at the end of the show every time. <laughs> it was, uh, I loved working with him. Uh, of course, like I say, day wide day. I had some really good times with Austin Idol, too. Oh, really? Do uh, tell. What's some of your favorite uh, stories with Austin Idol? Uh, he just, uh, Austin was one of those guys, too, who he... Uh, he didn't want to do a lot if he didn't know you and trust you. Uh, but once, 
we kind of established that, but I wasn't going to do anything stupid. He really made me look great in there. Uh, he liked the fact that, just like JYD, that I could get heat with the crowd without having to make the baby face bump all the time. So, you know, that, that made an easier night for him, too. Uh, but I worked, you know, Bob Armstrong, all the boys. Uh, first steel cage match I ever had was against Brad. Uh, so, you know, just, just about anybody that was ever anybody in, in, in Alabama. Uh, I worked with one time or the other. Um, that's pretty good as well. Um, you're also friends with uh, Brian Scott and James Armstrong as well. Yes. So, um, I, I thank, thank the world. <laughs> oh, so um, did you uh, work with those guys as well? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I was Brian's first match, but I was probably the two second or third match he ever had. And I remember... Bob coming in with him, and I've told Brian this story many times, so I'm not saying anything out of school, but Bob came in with him to the show one night, and he said, you know, we're in the back, and he said, hey, Jack, I, I want you to work with my boy Brian, he's just starting out. I said, okay, and uh, so we went out, we had the match, and it was terrible, and I go back in the back, and I'm thinking, this is a rip, because he can't really be an Armstrong. <laughs> his credit, he became one heck of a wrestler. And he's always been just so respectful and just such a nice guy. And every bit of success he's ever had, he's really earned it. Oh, I bet he has. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, he came from a family of wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's I mean, pretty... Yeah, that's one thing about Bob is all his boys were so respectful and just so nice to be around. Um, it was just always a pleasure, you know, to, to be in a locker room. Whether you, whether you got in the ring with them or not, just being in the locker room was great. All the jokes and, you know, just cutting up and having a good time in the back, it was, it was great. Oh, I bet it was as well. Um, also, um, I remember we were talking a little bit too. We were talking about a young up-and-coming talent that's uh, making a name for himself in the Indies as well, and you wanted me to reach out to him, is uh, Paxton Calloway. Yeah. Oh, that... Yeah, the, uh, the promotion, I don't, I don't know him personally, but, uh, you know, I saw some, some video on him and the promotion promoter that I was working with, uh, he was real high on it. You know, and I just, I saw a lot of potential for that kid. And uh, as I understand, he's getting looked at by WWE, and, and, and that's awesome. Yeah, he did. He went to WWE as well to um, to work out and try out as well. Yeah. And that kid's that kid's just a beast. He's just so huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully they can they can find something for him up there. Uh, he just he, he seems like he's got it. Who knows? Maybe he can come down and work for you as well. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, trying to get everything. Uh, we're rebranding and uh, starting a whole new show. I've got a uh, another partner I'm fixing to start working with, and he uh, he used to work for TNA uh, in the office, so you know he's got a lot lot more contacts even than I do. So we're uh, we're trying to get some stuff. Uh, hopefully, started up here 
And it's pretty good. Um, you started your own promotion first. You started off with uh, Southern uh, Legacy Wrestling. Um, tell me a little bit about Southern Legacy Wrestling. And I know you're starting up, you know, another one with a new partner. And then let's go and also talk about Premier One Wrestling. Yeah, Southern Legacy Wrestling was a show I had started. Just a, it was a small show a few years ago, and uh, I got it going, and then I started having some health issues. This was after I retired, and, and after uh, I retired, uh, the reason I retired was I, I always had bad knees. I blew them out when I was in the army, and I finally wound up eventually having both knees replaced. And uh, I'd also gone through uh, about colon cancer, which uh, I don't recommend for anybody. <laughs> I'm cancer free, so you know that's great. But uh, anyway, I started having some health issues after I got the show going, and I just couldn't do it all by myself. So I shut it down, and I kind of stayed out of the business for the most part for a couple of years. And and uh, um, you know, I, I still, you know, I would help guys get the keep in touch, but I didn't really go to shows or anything for a while. I just wasn't really able to. Uh, and then I had a couple of guys that I was friends with, and they wanted to start doing something, so we just revived the name and uh, started running. We had a show on Fight TV for almost two years, uh, and it was a you know pretty successful promotion down here. We just ultimately the three of us all had a different vision of where where we wanted to go with the show, and so uh, you know we parted on good terms, which I know was kind of rare in wrestling, but. Uh, you know, I I took the show, the name, and you know I went my way. And uh, one guy, I don't I don't even think he's involved uh, with the business at all anymore. And the other guy uh, started up a new promotion there where we had been running, and uh, I believe he's doing pretty good. Hey, that's pretty good as well. Um, so uh, you're looking for for the Premier One Wrestling as well. I hope it all works out for you. It's pretty good. I hope it works out for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a great idea. I'm looking forward to it. 
And you were also inducted into the Alabama Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame as well. Um, how did that happen for you? Uh, well, <laughs> it kind of surprised me, actually. I was in the inaugural class. Uh, it's something that some guys here put together, and, you know, they wanted to honor the past, uh, you know, and the, and the impact that, that wrestling has had on the state of Alabama. Um, and so I was, you know, asked to be inducted into that, that first class, and, and it was a, a great honor. Uh, since then, we've had uh, Bob Armstrong's been inducted, uh, gosh, several others, uh, Jerry Stubbs, uh, Arn Anderson is going in this year. So, uh, you know, to, to be inducted into something, you know, of that magnitude, is, is, it, it's very humbling, you know, and I'm, I'm very appreciative for, the, for that honor. Um, also, when you're not in the ring as well, um, you are a huge Frazetta fantasy artist fan as well, especially Conan. Yeah, I, I grew up, you know, reading those books. Um, I was not much of a reader when I was a kid. And about the only thing I would read was comic books. And then one day I was at the store looking for some comic books, and I noticed some books over to the side, and one of them was an Edgar Rice Burroughs paperback with a Frank cover uh, called A Princess of Mars. And I had no interest in reading that. The cover caught me. So I picked it up, and I read it, and then it was my mother used to get mad at me because she couldn't go to the store without me wanting to, you know, some kind of new book. And uh, it just—I've always, since then, been just a ferocious reader, especially of science fiction. And uh, you know, Frank—if it hadn't been for his artwork, I'd never have cracked that book. That's pretty. I've, as... I've always been a fan of his. So, what got you to become, uh, since his artwork as well, you know, picking up science fiction novels as well? So, what got you interested in uh, Conan the Barbarian? Well, it was just. You know, part of that, once that door was open for reading, I started wanting to read everything. Uh, you know, I, I would buy the, the Doc Savage reprint novels and The Avenger and The Shadow and uh, Fu Manchu and Conan the Barbarian and, and Cole the Conqueror and, you know, whatever was out there. I was pretty much, you know, whatever I could make. Uh, I grew up on a farm, so, you know, I, I'd get uh, a pretty good allowance. And I'd spend everything that I had, plus whatever else I could, you know, get from my parents and my grandparents, and I'd go buy books. I bet you probably had a huge library. <laughs> I did, and I still do. Um, I have quite a collection still, and I gave all of those to my youngest daughter, who is nine, and she has started really getting into that kind of stuff too so I, I went ahead and passed those on to her hey that's a that's a good thing to do as well um yeah. so uh what's some of your uh favorite stuff in the world of science fiction since you fell into it uh i used to read now i don't read as much science fiction anymore i've kind of matured into like mysteries and stuff now but um uh, uh yeah, robert a Heinlein was was 
uh, a favorite of mine back in the day, uh, Isaac Asimov. Uh, you know, I like stuff that, quite frankly, that I didn't understand because it made me think. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of those guys were way smarter than I was. And, and that helped me uh, want to develop myself intellectually a little bit more. So some of those books you also read over the years as well, um, did it also help you uh, with your, uh, like your psychology, more of your uh, character in the ring? It did, and I, I didn't realize that for a while. Uh, you know, I just, I had great teachers with, with Bob Armstrong who really took time with me at Continental and let me sit with him and see how he would put stuff together and how he would run the TVs and because um, I knew that I, you know, I had bad knees going in, so I knew that I would not have a forever career, but I always wanted to be involved with wrestling, so I needed to find something other than being in the ring to be able to keep me a part of it. So, over time, I got, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at storytelling, and it, for the longest, I was thinking, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I was taught. And then I got to realizing, well, I, I may be doing what I was taught, but I'm also putting it together the way stories were put together in those books. You know, you, 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 the adversary, you know, always has to come out ahead for the longest until the good guy finally comes over, you know, wins in the end. And that's basically every book, you know, was like that back then. So it was, you know, it, it was teaching me without me realizing for a while. And it's pretty good that's uh, brought you in as well. And also, like, um, the different uh, gimmicks you had as well in the ring. Did you ever thought about having something science fiction as well at one time? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I just... The, the Bomber Jack Lord character is, is, is me. Um, you know, it's just me with the volume turned up. But I've always told guys that so, so there, there's some wrestlers that can take characters that are absolutely nothing like themselves and, you know, make it hugely successful. But for the majority of us, we got to be who we are. We just have to turn that volume up. And, uh, and I, there's probably no better example of that than Steve Austin. You know, once he was allowed to be himself amped up, you know, he was great. And there's a lot of similarities in you know, in the way uh, his character was and the way mine was. I was there first, so I didn't get, I didn't rip him off. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I didn't, I, I never really thought about doing, you know, uh, a character too far out there. I, I wanted, I, I wanted a character that people could believe in. And, and I had a pretty long career, and I think, you know, that decision worked for me. Um, did you ever have any regrets in your career? Well, yeah, I mean, well, I don't say regrets. I had opportunities that, uh, you know, Terry Gordy tried to get me on the thing for Japan one time, and, uh, you know, I had situations at home that was just not going to allow me to do that. And and I passed that out. I, you know, I wish that I hadn't, that going back, there wasn't any way to change that. So I don't know if I would regret it. I wish things would have been different. Uh, and I had, you know, some other opportunities for the same reason, you know, a lot of home life stuff that I had to stay there and take care of. And so I couldn't really be that far out on the road. 
But, uh, but really, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty well pleased with the career I had. You know, I was I was active for 24 years, and uh, uh, my knee my knee doctor told me at 30 that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 35, and I wrestled until I was 50 years old. Wow, I bet you probably give some of those young guys in the ring uh, the run for their money as well for all the times you've been in the ring. Well, you know, I I worked a very basic style, uh, a lot of mat stuff, and uh, I could never high fly. I, I, I was nowhere near the athlete guys are today, but I was believable in what I did. I, I knew what I could do, and what I could do, I did well. And... I wasn't, it wasn't about my ego either. You know, I knew I was there to work with whoever was in there. And I wanted to make them look good as well as make myself look good. So, you know, I, I, I had a good reputation and I, and I worked a lot right in, right up until I finally did retire. Uh, you know, I, I stayed pretty busy. So when you finally decided to retire from the ring and hang up your boots, was it pretty hard for you? Yeah, it was hard. It's been 10 years, and uh, I miss it every day. I do. Uh, But on the other hand, I will say that, you know, booking shows and promoting, uh, just, you know, helping develop guys, uh, it it gives me more satisfaction than anything I ever did in the ring. You know, I do miss performing, but... I'm still a part of the business, and that's all I ever really wanted. That's pretty good. So what you're saying is you enjoy, like, to mold these young uh, wrestlers' minds and stuff, you know, to get them prepared for the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, I, my big thing, a lot of guys uh, don't don't understand. I, I preach the basics. You know, I don't, I don't like guys... Uh, when they work for me doing a lot of these big wild high spots and stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I think that you need to learn it now, but I think you need to learn those basics first. And that's what I push with everybody. You know, that's what WWE looks at when they're hiring people. How good are you, basically? Because uh, they can teach you all that other stuff. You know, they'll mold you to their style, and just like anywhere else will, too. But I want to make sure that you know how to take care of yourself in the ring and be safe and not get hurt and not hurt anybody else. So um, when you teach them the basics as well, is that also counting as well as in-ring psychology as well? Yes. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. My frequent thing after a match (laughs) is when a guy comes up to me and says, how was the match? I'll say, okay, uh, tell me what it means. What did it mean out there? And most of the time, they're lost because they can't tell me what it meant. They can't tell me the story they were telling because they weren't telling one. They were just out there doing things, you know. And uh, once they understand that, you know, and that light clicks, it's probably one of the most rewarding moments that I ever get is when, you know, guys understand what I'm asking them to do. I had a... I had a guy here, the big guy, uh, and to be as big as he's like 360, he's in great shape, and he can do anything any luchador can do, just all kinds of top rope stuff, and I wouldn't let him do it. I made him stop, 
and I made him work a basic mat style, big man brawler style for a long time. And about six months later, and he was disgruntled. I know he was. He still worked. He didn't argue. And then one night he came in and I said, okay, I want you to do that big backflip deal off the top rope. And uh, I said, well, you'll miss, and the guy takes advantage of you and beats you. So he said, oh, okay. So he goes out, he does move, and the crowd erupts. When he does that, they go crazy. And he walks in the back, and he walked up to me, and he kind of lowered his head for a minute, and he looked up at me, and he said, okay, now I understand. That's pretty good because um, I like to go to a lot of shows. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with the high risk or high fly moves. I mean, I like some of that as well. But sometimes I like to go to some uh, promotions when they just do old school style, style wrestling where it's all technical and stuff. And I've been at some shows where, you know, fans are like getting real bored because they don't want to see a, like a technical match. But, you know, I think that sometimes it's great to see some old fashioned technical wrestling. Yeah, I think it's all important. You know, the, the product has changed. You know, it's not the way it was when I was growing up. It's not the way it was when I started. Uh, you know, I wished it was. But if what we did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if it was still drawing money, then that's what we'd still be doing. You know, and I know a lot of old school guys, you know, they get bitter about it because the business has changed. You know, I, I was that way for a while, too. But everything in this world changes. It adapts. And it, it moves in a slightly different direction. You know, whether it's, you know, they don't make cars the way they used to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't have the same style. They don't make them the same way. And everything is like that. But especially our business. You know, it's, it's different now. you got to do something bigger and and more spectacular to draw people's attention because there's so many other alternatives out there for your entertainment dollar. you got to do something that fans are going to say, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm still going to watch this. I'm still going to buy the, the network, or I'm still going to pay for that pay-per-view, or I'm going to go buy that ticket. You know, if you're, if you're just going out there and doing the same stuff that was done 40 years ago, they're, they're not going to do that. Oh, I totally agree with you as well. Um, um, so um, what do you think about uh, indie wrestling today? It's been really popular lately. And um, and the cool thing about it today is um, there's more opportunity for anyone in the wrestling business to go get what they want. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, anytime that there's more opportunities for the men and women in this business to go out and make a living, I'm, I'm for it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of some of the promotions that do a lot of the more adult stuff, the comedy stuff. You know, that's not my my thing. But there's an, if there's an audience for it, then do it. You know, it's, it's like hardcore wrestling. You know, I know a lot of these guys that do the death matches, you know, and I love them. They're great guys. They're good friends. I don't like to watch what they do. But there's an audience for it. You know, and as long as there's an audience, as long as people are paying to see that, then you, you know, there's no reason to stop it. And the more stuff that's going on, the more opportunities are out there. And I just, I love seeing this generation getting opportunities that they are. Oh, I totally think so as well. Especially women's wrestling too. They're getting a huge boost up as well. 
Because there's some tough women out there, man, that can, you know, take some hits and bumps and put on a good match as well as any other, like, a male wrestler. Yeah, the, the girls, of course, I always had the standards of, of uh, Bambi, Selena Majors, and uh, Peggy Lee Leather. And I worked so many shows with them, I and mean, they're two of my best friends. But it was hard to follow them on any show. Because they could go harder, longer, <laughs> and better than just about any guy on the show. Uh, so when I see the girls now, I see that same mentality that they had back then. You know, they were struggling and trying to make a name for themselves, which they did. And now these girls are getting more opportunities on a bigger scale. In fact, uh, Selena, you know, is one of the... Uh, I think she's the trainer at uh, WOW now and has a lot to do behind the scenes and stuff. So, you know, those girls that you're seeing there now are a product of her teaching them how to get better. That's pretty good. I I totally agree with you on that as well. Um, So... um, what does uh, pro wrestling uh, mean to you? And um, if there's anything you could change about it, what would you change and why? Well, you know, I, I don't know that I would change anything. Uh, you know, it's easy to sit back and, and quarterback to my, to my chair. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I, I've complained a little recently about direction WWE is going. I don't think the riders are putting out their, their best efforts. Or maybe then again, it's not, ultimately it's not the riders, it's Vince who's making the wrong decisions. And, uh, you know, that, I wish, I hope that the upcoming competition with with all these other promotions that are up and coming is going to make them up their game. Because even though I've been in this business for as long as I have, I'm still a fan. I still enjoy, I'm sitting here with SmackDown on right now while we're talking. Oh, I know, so am I. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I love our industry. I love our business. And, you know, I just I just wish people would put out their best effort. And I don't think WWE is doing that quite right now. And like I say, that really lies at Vincent's feet. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's time for him to go to pasture because they're the, the best in the world. And they're going to be the best in the world for a long time to come. You know, it's going to take a lot of years for somebody to get to that level. So they're not going anywhere. I just, I just hope they'll improve, you know, storyline-wise a little bit more and use their talent a little bit smarter. But you know, that's my opinion. So, um, what are your thoughts? There's so many great choices coming out out there. You know, the, the stuff Cody Rhodes is doing. I'm excited about. I know it's going to be more of an adult-oriented type thing, which is fine if you know that's the audience they're trying to draw. Um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, I hope they're all successful. I hope everybody becomes millionaires. <laughs> that's pretty good as well. So, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Vince thinking about how indie wrestling's getting more popular? Because for a while, it was just only him, and he was, you know, he's still the the big dog in the yard as well. Still, so what do you think he's thinking about all these like promotions, like uh, you know, MLW, uh, AEW, uh, you know, New Japan, Ring of Honor. Uh, Ring Warriors, um, 
all the you know top scale indie promotions that are like really popular today. Well, I mean, you, you, I read years ago, and you know, I don't, I didn't hear him say this, but I read several accounts of where he he saw where when the territories died that it hurt him because there was no talent pool to choose from anymore. Yeah. And uh, and I've talked to a lot of the old-time guys, and they, they were talking about how, you know, indie wrestling kept professional wrestling alive for years. Yeah. And uh, so now I believe that it's to his advantage, ultimately, really, for all of these promotions to be running. Because, you know, the thing about wrestling is change. You cannot keep the same people all the time. Oh, no, you can't, no. So once those people are, you know, they get out there, they get a name, you know, and and then it's time for them to move on, and that's an opportunity for Vince to come in and say, okay, come here and let me do something with you. And the same thing for them. You know, when Vince, you know, gets rid of people or um, – you know, a lot of times I, he misses the boat on a lot of people, <laughs> and but I know it's a big boat <laughs> that he's that he's over. So it's you know I understand you know where he he, he misses some of his talent sometimes. Uh, but those now those folks have an opportunity to go somewhere else and rebuild and you know still have opportunities to make a living. Because used to you know for a long time once you left WWE it was hard. It was hard to make a living, so you know now that's not as as hard as it was, and, and I'm 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 tickled about that. I totally agree with you as well. So, where can everybody find you on social media and find out details on um, Premier One Wrestling when you're ready to um, tell all the great stuff? <laughs> well, uh, you can find me on uh, you know Facebook under just Jack Lord. You'll see the. The, the smiling, bald-headed guy. And uh, uh, now I've still got the Southern Legacy Wrestling page up. We're transitioning it over uh, to uh, the POW page. Uh, but you can you can find us there. And, uh, you know, that's where we'll be doing all our updates. Uh, I'm working on a new website, but it's not up yet. So I can't plug what's not there yet. But... Uh, uh, you know, it's P1 Wrestling on, uh, I think, Twitter and uh, Instagram also. So, All right. Thank you so much for coming on um, out of your schedule and uh, sharing your story and everything. Hey, no problem, man. I've enjoyed it. Oh, I know. It was great. I enjoyed talking to you as well. And everybody, um, you can also follow me at WrestlePopCast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Twitter at WPopCast1. You can follow me at Facebook at WrestlePopCast. And you can follow me at uh, Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. And also at Podcast City at PodcastCity.net. Everybody have a great evening.